0: Welcome to Tax Wrap, the podcast of Tax and Super Australia. Each fortnight, we present news and insights to tax and SMSF practitioners. If you've got any questions, comments or even suggestions, get in touch at podcast at Welcome to the Tax Wrap podcast, episode 237. I'm your host, Steve Burnham, um, and we're back talking once again To Tax and Super Australia's CGT guru, Kirk Wilson. Um, I got on the phone, I got on the line to uh, Kirk to talk about uh, CGT and inherited homes, inherited property. Um, It's a complicated area, and Kirk actually has a a webinar coming up. I'll put a link to that event, I think it's in early June, but I'll put a link in the transcript that you can all click on if you want to book yourself in to find out more about this um, sometimes tricky topic CGT and inherited homes. Let's see what Kirk has to say. Hi, Kirk. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, what are we talking about?
1: Well, sir, so today I'm going to talk about the um, CGT exemption section 118 195 of the 97 Act for inherited dwelling or a home because it's a very common situ- situation that most advisors uh, face quite regularly and it's, it's quite significant to get that inherited home. Wow. But in particular, I want to focus on um, one matter and, and that's the, the key precondition for the exemption or one of the preconditions, namely that the the inherited dwelling or home, be the deceased main residence at their date of death, and is not then being used to produce assessable income. It's quite a significant feature of the um, um, exemption.
0: Yeah, I see. It would have to be, wouldn't it? So in general terms, Kirk, how does the exemption in Section 118 195
1: work? Well, Steve, it's a bit messy, but in, in essence it requires Um, the executor or the legal personal representative to acquire a dwelling that the deceased own or for it to pass to the beneficiaries. So, And and in the case where, and the dwelling has either got to be a pre-CG dwelling or the deceased main residence at their date of death. Now, pre-CG dwelling means that it's available if the dwelling's a pre CG dwelling of the deceased. It could, the exemption can apply to a holiday home, yep. a um, um, rental property, etc. So it, it opens the door if you've got a pre CG dwelling. But um, and if you satisfy those preconditions, then yep. you can get a full exemption on the later disposal of the dwelling. If you first of all either sell it within two years of the deceased death, everybody sort of colloquially understands this to mean the sale within two years rule. Oh, yeah, two year period can be extended if You apply to the commissioner, um, or if you self assess an extra 18 months under PCG Practical Companion Guidance 2019.5. Now, this is very important because um, there's a lot of cases where you know you, you just don't have that, um, that something outside your control pr- prevents you from being able to sell within um, two years. So, That's right. if you have a yeah, it, ha- it happens quite regularly. You know, it, there's a fight over the estate, or things are just, uh, or somebody gets ill, the executive gets ill. Right. So, it, if you ever come across that, that that type of scenario, you must look very closely at PCG 2095. It, it's what you call the safe harbour rules to give yourself an an extra eighteen months in which to sell the property. Right. Now, the other way you can get the full exemption, which is a little less known and it's a bit more messy, is that if more or less from the time of the deceased's death until the property's sale, it's been occupied by uh, a relevant person or a defined person as their main residence. And and these three categories are: yep, the surviving spouse, right, a person who's given a right to occupy it in the home under the deceased will, or a beneficiary who inherits the dwelling or an interest in it. So if they if they or, or if one or more of them occupy it, more or less from the time of the deceased death until its sale, then you likewise get the CGT exemption, subject to uh, a few issues, a bit more complicated matters like the rule doesn't apply if the deceased was an excluded foreign residence, which essentially means they were um, a foreign resident for six years or more, or there's another very complicated rule that kicks in um, if the dwelling itself was previously inherited by the deceased. So, oh, yeah, and so you've got to do a, sort of a bit of a partial exemption in 118 205. But if you come across that problem, go have a look at a section 118 205. Okay. But the big takeaway point about the the, the, the the rule is that if you don't satisfy the requirements for a full exemption, then you've got to calculate a partial exemption in accordance with the calculation rules in a section 118 200. So that's the broad, that's the broad um, picture of it. And if, again, there's nothing better than the horse's mouth. You yeah. come across this scenario, go to section 118.195, read it yep. word for word, line by line. It doesn't take you that long. And just bear in mind that you can get an extra extension of time to sell within two years under PCG 2019.5.
0: Okay. All right. Excellent.
1: Kirk, just,
0: just to remind me, CGT came in, was it September 83,
1: 85? 85. 85. 19th of September 85. So if you acquired a property before the 20th of September 1985, it's a pre-CGT asset. And in most cases, it's outside the CGT net. There's a few exclusions where where it can be brought in. So if you bought that rental property or that holiday home prior to September 1985, then it too can qualify for the full exemption. Right. It also sort of means, Steve, that, you know, you can have a scenario where you inherited a couple of properties and they can both get the full CGT exemption under this rule. One yeah. happens to be the pre-CGT holiday home. Oh. The other one happens to be mum or dad's main residence at their date of death, you, the know?
0: you inherited, yeah. Yeah, I see. Yeah, man.
1: Yeah.
0: All right, well, I just wanted to clear that up because I, I just, I don't know, couldn't recall the date off the top of my head. Yeah. Now, the, that main thrust, that main concept there i um, just wonder if you'd explain a little bit about the requirement that the home's be right. deceased main residence at their of death and then it was not being used to produce accessible income, what, what that entails.
1: Well, that's one of the preconditions to be able to use this um, exemption rule in 118.195, right. that either the dwelling was a pre-CGT one or it was presumably a post-CGT dwelling that was the deceased main residence at their date of death and was not then being used to produce accessible income. Right. So the classical scenario, old mother, grandmother or grandfather dies in their, passes away in their home, and at that time, they're not using it to produce accessible income. But that's not normally the case, Steve. What is often more commonly the case is that, you know, mum or dad, the former the owner of the home, who is in a nursing home. Oh, yeah, and um, they use the... Um, being rented to produce some income to help pay for the nursing home fees, or it's or a, a relative is being allowed to live in it rent free, yep. or perhaps even m- mum or dad have gone to live with a, a a daughter or child, and in the meantime the home's still there vacant. Right. So technically speaking, you won't satisfy this key requirement of it being the deceased main residence at their date of death. No, I but see. But there's the big, but there's a big. However, the big yep. however is you can use the absence concession to allow. The taxpayer to choose to continue to treat that dwelling as their main residence after they cease to occupy it. Now, and this includes in this scenario where they go into a nursing home or they go to live with a relative, and um, and, and it's a general rule. It applies, you know, during the lifetime of. Yeah, it's not just
0: the older people who go into nursing homes, it's three years. Exactly. So yeah, exactly. You post, you, know, you post it overseas or something in a, for your it, job. It, it,
1: exactly right, Steve. Or right. you post it in a state or you yeah. know, you, you decide to buy another one and you want to keep that one yeah. as your main residence. And how long can and you, you keep it? Well, um, if you if you don't use it to produce accessible income, you can you can treat it as your main residence for indefinitely you know and by accessible income it means like if i whack in a niece or a nephew or a relative into the home and only have them pay the outgoings, well that's not accessible income but if if i say rent it to somebody at arm's length arrangement well that is accessible income and in which case you only get a maximum six years where you continue to treat it as your main residence okay so um now so it begs the question in yep. this scenario where you're using section 118.195 to try and get the full exemption on an inherited home. Right. And that requirement that it be your, the deceased main residence at their date of death and not being used to produce accessible income. Right. So it begs the question, of, well, what happens if, if I, I happen to be in the nursing you know, I've lived in my home, I happen to be in the nursing home for four years, I'm renting it, and then, you know, the person dies while it's being rented you know well are you then excluded because technically speaking section 118 195 requires it not to be being used to produce accessible income at that date of death you can it can be deemed to be your main residence by way of the absence concession but you're running foul or it seems to be a conflict between the fact that you're using it to produce accessible income while by way of rent and the requirement in 180, 90, 195 is, it, is it's is not been used to produce successful income at your date of death. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So there's an apparent conflict. Well, the answer is in section 118.194. Well, so it seems, the answer seems to be. And to be precise, I, I, I'll read you what section 118.190 in okay. brackets four says. Yep. It says, if a dwelling, and I'll I'll leave out the irrelevant bits, if a dwelling passes to you as a beneficiary in a deceased estate or you came to own it as a trustee of a deceased estate, you, you, you ignore any use of the dwelling for the purpose of producing accessible income before the deceased death. If the dwelling was the deceased's main residence just before their death and it was not used for that purpose just before the death or any use for that, here's the emphasis, or any use for that purpose of producing accessible income just before the death was ignored because of subsection 3. And yeah. subsection 3 of 118.193 says you ignore any use of the dwelling for the purposes of producing accessible income during any period that you continue to treat it as your main residence under the absence concession in section section 118.145. So, in other words, this yep. this provision seems to override or be the more specific provision which, in effect, allows you to continue to treat it as your main residence yep. even though you're renting it at the time that you pass away in a nursing home, for example. Well, so, that,
0: that's, um, a, that's a good escape. I'm glad they thought of that, Claude. Right?
1: Well, well <laughs> it's, there is a specific provision, you know, that, that okay. people will say, well, what, what's the rules of statutory interpretation here? Well, it seems to me and to most commentators that the, the, the um, rule in section 118.190, this provision, this concessional provision, takes precedence over the more general rule in 118.195 that says it can't be used to produce successful income at your date of death. And the reason, the support for this is that 118.190 specifically says that if a dwelling passes to you as a beneficiary in a deceased estate, or you come to own it as a trustee of a deceased estate, then this rule applies. So that's the way out of it. And it's a very, very, very useful rule. And it's a concession. Yeah. yeah. And as as a lot of people who deal with CGT know, there's been a few statements by the courts and, and they've always, it's always been, this approach has been taken well. The CGT rules are are to be interpreted in a concessional manner especially anything to do with your home. And furthermore, (laughs) you've got the double whammy here, not just your home, but your home and the death of a party. So Uh, this is your lovely escape clause in that scenario where your home has been used to produce accessible income and you uh, pass away while you're not in your home.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. You can apply, when you say you can apply the absence concession, the absence concession can be applied. to treat it as your main residence for the purposes of accessing the sale, the CGT exemption for the yep. sale within two years or yep. the other exemption. Yep. Now, I'll, I'll it just, also begs... Oh, no, sorry, no, Steve, sorry. No, no, the, look, yep.
0: I'll, sorry. Look, I'll, just, I'll jump in now because otherwise I'll forget. <laughs> you yeah, ta- that's fine. You're talking about the... Um, uh, you can pr- you can rent it out, therefore get assessable income and treat it as your main residence. Did you say for yep. up to six years? Now. Yep. On um, devil,
1: devil's advocate, what if you
0: rent it for more than six years? What happens?
1: Well, technically speaking, you're not able to use the absence concession.
0: Uh. Technically
1: speaking, you, you can't use the absence concession because the absence concession only applies for a maximum rental or income producing period for up to six years. Right. And uh, But, but, there perhaps <laughs> is a way out of it, which is a bit sort of tricky, and I don't know whether it's tricky or sneaky, but. A few commentators who uh, have been in the game longer than me and pretty smart say, well, the absence concession is chosen. What happens if you choose the last six years of rental use? Say you've been renting it for eight years and you happen to choose the last six years of rental use to to deem it to be (laughs) your main residence under the absence concession. Can you then qualify for it being your main residence at your date of death? Well, it's it's been it's it's around there in a few papers in a few commentaries, and you know, technically speaking, section 118, 145, which is the absence concession provision, doesn't yep. prohibit you from choosing which six years. But on the other hand, <laughs> this sort of approach is contrary to the ordinary understanding of how you choose the to apply the absence concession. That's that's, that's I, of, yeah. Oh, what about the other? I, two would, years? I would think so yeah But what about the first two years I mean what do you what happens with that well it's irrelevant because the because the ruling here the requirement here is it, it's your residence or Dean main residence at your date of death oh, and not right. being used to produce accessible income that's huh. the only mark you're trying to hit okay. and if you choose the last six years well you meet that mark it hmm. doesn't matter what happens in those first because that period is excluded you know, from being subject to CGT right. so um. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I, I must put a huge proviso on this. If you're thinking of going down this line, it's a tiny bit. Uh, I would not go down this line without seeking an ATO private ruling on the matter because oh. it, 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 it just is not there in a straightforward manner in the legislation. There's no ruling on it. And it's got that sneaky feel about it, which sort of appears to run contrary to the way that we've always understood the absence concession to apply. Yeah, yeah. So having said all these things, Steve, can I just point out a couple of other things to just sum up here? Yeah, yeah. Um, the one thing is, well, who makes the absence concession choice? You've got to choose the absence concession. Now, usually, if it's me who owns my home and I go into state for four years on a, a job, well, I choose it when I sell my home. I'm yeah. still alive. Well, the owner of the home is no longer a, 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 a alive to make oh, that choice. No. Yeah. So the presumption is that presumably the commissioner allows the beneficiaries or the executor of the estate to choose to apply the absence concession in these circumstances. Yeah. And, and you know, it would be uh, it would be scandalous if the commissioner didn't no, allow. No. Well, that's what the legal, legal personal
0: representative is for, isn't it, to, to take those decisions.
1: <laughs> exactly right, Steve. Now, look, just on another final matter too, this requirement that um, the dwelling be the deceased main residence at their date of death and not being used to produce income yep. and then if you sell it within two years or meet the other requirement, you can get get it, you can sell it the, the executors or the, the uh, beneficiaries can sell it CGT free. It does it's contrary to the previous rules and what it in effect allows you at the extreme is that you may have owned a property for 20 years for the first 19 years, it might have been a rental property. Right. For the last year, you move into it as your main residence on a bona fide basis yep. and you don't use it to produce accessible income and you happen to pass away in it. The fact that there's been 19 years of rental property use is in effect disregarded Right. and these sins have been wiped away because <laughs> the only requirement is it be your main residence at your date of death and not being used to produce. Be- produce accessible income. Yep. Despite the fact that for nineteen or twenty years you've used it to produce rent. And the fact and the fact that in your the final year when you pass or when the deceased passes away, the um the property is their main residence and they're not using it to produce income. Yep. It gets them in the gate of being able to sell it within two years and get a full CGT or their beneficiaries to sell it in two years and get a full CGT exemption. It's yeah, it's yeah. one of the design features and and and, it, and it's not a bad one because it does away with compliance and again it's very concessional but but that's an extreme example but in other cases you know ordinarily you you might have used your home say you owned your home for 20 years and for you know for 10 years you ran your architect's business from an office out the back right and then your last 10 years you've retired and lived in it well again that prior income-producing use is going to be ignored and you won't have any partial exemption and your beneficiaries and executives can uh, access the small business concessions, you know, oh, in, in that yeah. scenario. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah but see. anyhow,
1: but that that's for another day, and we'll go into that in detail another day. But yeah. the takeaway point in all this is that the, the precondition that a dwelling must be the deceased main residents residence at their date of death and not being used to produce assessable income can be satisfied if the deceased is not actually present and living in the home at their date of death, yep. by use of the absence concession. Right, and yep. it's um, and it's a pretty nice little mechanism or, or concession to have available.
0: Yeah, yeah. It sort of sounds, Kirk, that all these rules and sub clauses and regulations have developed over many years since CGT was brought in, uh, well, meeting scenarios yeah, so that people come across
1: that's that's a very good point i won't go into what the rule was i think this amendment came in about 1996 but um right before that time in, in effect for for the person to get a full exemption on its for the executor or beneficiary to get a full exemption on its later sale you had to look at the three periods of ownership the ownership by the deceased the right. ownership by the executor and the ownership by any beneficiary and you only get a full exemption if if the home qualified or was deemed to qualify as their main residence through all those three periods. Oh, so um, yeah. that was the general rule. But that, this has made it a lot easier and especially not only in terms of effect but in record-keeping, for record-keeping oh, reasons also.
0: That's right, Yeah, because you have to keep all the records of, to, to prove all this. You know,
1: uh, it, it, kind of it, it, yes, it may be hard to prove. But again, yeah. once again, as yeah. has been written quite a few times by many people, including yeah. myself, the yeah. absence concession, is a magical concession it can be used in a whole range of circumstances not just in this to, not not just in this circumstance where you inherit a home it yep. can be used in a lot of other circumstances but it can be extraordinarily useful in this scenario and um i am sure that most practitioners have had uh, at least uh you know or known off clients who've had this type of situation
0: oh yeah yeah no it's important information to have under your belt in case someone walks in the door with just just this scenario or something similar
1: Exactly right, Steve. Uh, And and again, that um, concept of um, well, what what about the fact that it's been used to produce accessible income while I'm absent from it? Well, have a look at specifically the wording in section 118 190 in brackets 4 and 118 190 in brackets 3, and that gives you your nice escape clause.
0: Oh, good, good numbers to have on hand.
1: <laughs> well, um, there, there, as we've said before in a few of these um, podcasts, Steve, there's yeah. nothing that beats actually reading the legislation for your authority yeah. and going through it line by line. Yeah. And uh, it, it's not that hard, and especially you bring it up on internet or google because it brings up all the definitions in blue and you can click on those and um, um yeah yeah and it's the horse's mouth i, I remember
0: actually it's good advice I remember you're saying that to me month oh, years ago go and read the legislation i was reluctant because it's sort of a bit daunting but gee when you do when you open it up and just start sit
1: down start reading quietly yeah. um
0: you can glean a it, lot of information it,
1: it, it's not that daunting if you've had a bit of training into it you might you, you you don't have to have been trained as a a, a lawyer but if no. you've, you know been trained in accounting and and you know that certain provisions operate in a certain way well hmm. it's hmm. nice to actually read word for word as to how they operate and then as i said if you bring it up on google or if you if you uh, a textbook you yep. know you can just go to the definitions it, it's but anyhow,
0: with, with capital gains and especially with the property we're talking about a lot of money you know, yes, uh, it can it be. A, can. It's not just a, a ten dollar deduction in your annual return. It's, uh, it's a hell of a oh, lot exactly
1: of money. right. So as steps. we both know, as we yeah. both know, and everybody knows, in the current environment, so unexpectedly, gas yeah. prices are booming, especially oh, you oh. know, uh, especially if you get that windfall gain of an inherited one you're just selling at the moment. So, oh yeah, you
0: know. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, amazing
1: all right kirk look thanks very much again for your time um
0: uh, that's explained it very well very succinctly and uh, i know there's a lot more to it uh and when you get into the nitty gritties but this is a really set out the scenario um quite yep. clearly
1: um, yep, and ag- again the whole point of it was the the main point of it was to point out well don't forget the the availability of the absence concession that's to right. make that precondition yep very good point